Welcome to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. We'll do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hi, thank you for joining us. Um, You are on Hello Francis, a podcast brought to you by the Francis Roy Agency all the way in Florida. And it's Labor Day. We're really excited because most people are not working today. But we have a really great guest, one of my most favorite people in the world. I am so (laughs) excited. Um, Ellen May. And actually, I'm just going to like be quiet and let Ellen tell you who she is and um, what she does. And then we can tell you guys how we met. Ellen. Aloha, Chantel. Good morning, friends of Francis Roy. Could you go back to talking more about me? That felt yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the greatest person ever. <laughs> you are the greatest person ever. Do you remember, um, I want to say, like in the very beginning when the world started to know Dr. Brené Brown, do you remember when I went to that conference in Las Vegas and came back and was like so jazzed about her? You were fired she, up. I was so fired up. She changed my life. And one of the things that she tells you to do is like, on a little piece of paper, write the names of the people that you care, that they care what you're doing. Oh, your name is on that paper. It has what? always, yes, it has you always. You never been. told me that. I know, isn't that crazy? I would have sent you more Starbucks gift cards in the mail <laughs> if I knew that. Well, I mean, I will still take them in arrears, but it's, yeah, definitely. I totally, for me, it's absolute fate and ha- happiness and the whole reason why, I don't know. Maybe that's why this podcast started, just so that we could have this conversation. I'm so excited. Anyway, well, that's what happens when you're busy women. You've got to come up with ways to connect. So right. thank you for inviting me. I, I appreciate it, and I'm happy to be here. You're so excited. So Ellen, tell us uh, what, what you do. So I work with um, a Department of Labor program called Job Corps. It's been around for over 50 years, and it's a federally funded program that assists low-income young adults get education and training and into great jobs or into college. And so uh, there's about 125 job core centers across the country. And if you meet low income guidelines and you're between the ages of 16 and 24, you can apply to live at these campuses. There's one in every state. Some states have more than one. Um, But I live in Hawaii and we have two campuses over here, one in Oahu and one in Maui. And so my position is the center director, and I have an opportunity to work with a team of people who come alongside these young adults and give them the skills that they need to be employable and successful and get their career pathway on a good start, but also connect with employers and industries to get them um, skilled workers. So it's a pretty amazing position. Sounds like a lot. It sounds like you deal with a lot. You handle a lot. Nah, it's easy. I just, um, I'm on the beach with the pina colada. I don't really do anything. I just. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, that was like one of my major like issues with relocating out here. So I was like, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And of course, there's the beauty of the palm trees and the sunsets and sunrises. Um, but it, it's hard, hard work. And um, right. it's worth it, though, because you're having an opportunity to um, play an important role in um, people's um, life. Yeah. Well, I, I was so excited because, well, from our intro podcast, which we'll release on September the 9th, um, one of the things that we really want to talk about is work culture. And mm-hmm. I think you see people before they actually enter work culture maybe sometimes 
And so what that expectation is, what individuals are looking for as employers, are we meeting those expectations? Like what, I think there's always this idea that we're, when you start a business or you have a business that you want this incredible work culture, but what do really people need, I think, on a human level? Um, and are we meeting that? Um, so for me, because you're such on the, your job is like on this like entry as people are really just starting to figure out who they are and what they want to do. Expectations are huge. And, um, you know, I think it's just an interesting perspective for us to be able to ask questions about what do people even want in terms of work, work culture? Do they just want jobs? Are we trying to make it too hard? Uh, you know, is what is, is culture too buzzy? Like, I don't know. I just can be, it can be. I, I think for me, um, you know, just going back to your question about what do people want? Honestly, I don't even know that that's a question that people who are, you know, in a position of needing a job ask themselves. Right. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times when you go to an interview, you're just really trying to put your best foot forward to get this job. Mm -hmm. And when they offer you the job, you know, you get so excited because that means you beat out the other people you're competing against. But I think there's something lost in that. And what I really try to coach and mentor um, our students on is that not only are you being interviewed, but you need to interview that company to see right. if they fit what you're looking for. And I think the, the word that we're really looking for here or that would be most applicable to this is values. What are your right. values and where you choose to work? Mm -hmm. So it's important. I think for a lot of people, no matter what your age is, is that when you're looking for a career, you are also interviewing that company. They're not just interviewing you. You have a right. say in to say, is this a good fit with my life? Do they match what my values are? I think that's so interesting, Ellen, because when you present it like that, it almost sounds like really good work culture is a privilege. And um, for us, when we were building, um, we started with core values. We started with core values and we never got to a mission statement or a vision statement ever. Like we're three years old, we still have not gotten that far yet. And it almost seems like because we spent a lot of time on core values and they were so really these mirror images of what my grandparents had instilled in us as children, that we seem to be attracting individuals that, you know, to work here and, and our clients as well, that really are a good match because of those core values. And because it's worked so far, I have no idea what the next like two, three, five, ten years are going to look. I have no idea. Uh, because it's worked so far, we just don't really focus on our mission. It's like we're less focused on why we're doing what we're doing and more why we're doing it. Um, is that is that sound advice you would give to an employer? I mean, is it truly we need to be, we're focusing on the wrong things like, you know, developing these cultures that are very like fun and hip and cool and people want to work there. But at the end of the day, people, individuals need more than that. Well, talk is cheap. And I think sometimes if you're an organization or a company that's really focused on these catchphrases that you talk about mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when everything comes to a head, it's how you do it, not what you're doing. And I just think that there's too much um, attention and focus on creating these mission statements that it almost loses the purpose of, of how you're doing your day-to-day -day operations. And so my advice would just be careful to not do, um, you know, 
not not to put too much effort into being gimmicky right you know, these catchphrases and these buzzwords and you know they sound fantastic but if you don't have anything behind it then that's the problem that, that's right. the problem is that if, if your values both by your employees and yourself don't resonate at a level where you're practicing what you preach so, so to speak then you're going to have some issues because it's a lot of talk Right. Right. Well, we, I, we say that a lot. Everybody's talking about the hustle right now and a few, <laughs> which I don't, I don't hate the hustle. I mean, you know, it's like hustle, one of my man. favorite, my favorite Ted talk is hire the scrapper, you know, yes. and maybe it's because I personally identify with that. Cause I work my butt. Things don't come easy sure. for me. You know, I, I work super, super hard to get to where I'm at. And, um, that's not taken away from anybody, but I would say hustle's great, but there's, there's more to it. You've got to have some substance, you know, like work smarter, right. not harder. I agree. And I think the word hustle, I know the word hustle means something different now than it used to, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Well, so hire the scrapper. I love that you, when you and I had our, our pre, our pre talk the other day that lasted when like, you were interviewing me, whether or not you wanted me to be on this show, <laughs> if, you're like, if um, you, that was a bad idea. No, if, <laughs> um, if you're not guest number one, like, I don't know who the heck <laughs> I don't know what we're doing next. I, I'm just really, really scared about that. But um, so we were talking and you were like, you have to, you know, watch this TED Talk. I just, I mean, Ellen, I, our relationship, like of how long we've been friends now, like 10 years, right? Almost You're old. You're getting yeah. old. You are incredibly old. And it's, I think, so Ellen and I met just to kind of, so that other people can be in on some of our inside jokes because we have lots of inside jokes, but we went through, can I say, we went through the uh, Cheyenne Chamber, Cheyenne Area Chamber of Commerce Leadership Cheyenne. That's program. a mouthful. It's called Leadership Cheyenne. Leadership Cheyenne. But it's the organization is. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's Cheyenne. give them kudos. But we give them a little Cheyenne bit. Cheyenne um, Yeah. I, I don't even know if that's their hashtag. We'll tag them. Um, but very grateful for that opportunity because we went through this program. It was like a nine-month program. Lots of chambers of commerce have this program. And you know, we were running around, we spent a lot of time together, um, a, gr a group of us, I think there was like 20, 21 or something, I don't know how many of us there were, and we're all from different industries or whatever, and at my job at the time was in tourism. Uh, Ellen, I think you were working for the college. You know, I still worked with the Job Corps program, but I was in a transition because it's contractual work, so I did oh, okay. do some work with the college, but I was still doing some contract work with Job Corps, so yes, your memory has not failed you. So I'm not too old yet. I'm excited about that. No, you're still and, old. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we were in this program, and we have three other friends uh, that, when we, I don't know that we necessarily were quote unquote friends at the time, we were just really um, mag like, just like magnetized towards each other because um, the five of us, uh, for whatever reason, and it was towards the end of our program. And we started all five of us collectively started asking like, what's going to come after this? Because we were so used to meeting every month with this group of people. And I had just returned from a conference where um, Dan Putner was talking about the blue zones. Mm-hmm. And he was talked about Moy Eyes in Okinawa and how I was just like this. If you are listeners, if you guys are um, just look at Moy Eye, Blues and Moy Eye, it's so cool. It's so interesting. And so from that kind of concept, Can I interrupt you? please do. If you guys are going to look it up, it's spelled M O A I. 
Yes. And it's a Japanese term that means coming together for a common purpose. Right. So I, I took Chantel's passion for this idea yes. and um, I worked with our team over here and we became the very first Blue Zones approved Job Corps campus. So this is like Chantel's effect, but also That's it, was so really crazy. My team. it wasn't me though. It was, it was my team who were really passionate about it and a specific, our HR manager really did a lot of the, you know, legwork to make it happen. But that was a really cool impact that you had on that too. That blows my mind. Ellen, that you, well, and great leaders always say it wasn't me. It was my team. But no, no, I t- no, no. I, I am like 100%. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll take the credit if I did it. But right. you know, this was like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just being so real. They, they, okay, I have a little fear that they'll listen to this podcast and, you know, I didn't give them proper credit. Speaking of which, we need to say aloha to Beth and Melissa oh and Mandy. Yeah. Hi, girls. Great to Oh, so are. those those like other three uh, names are the, the remaining members of our uh, Moi. Moi. And am I saying that right? Moi? I don't think so. But it's, it's fun to listen to you. Sure. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's this podcast. So anyways, uh, long story short. So we are like, let's start this Moi. Uh, you, this idea, though, is that you're banded together at birth. And not at birth. When you're five. I'm sorry. When you're five years old and then you stay together for life. And you are, you know, kind of no bullshit, but you're together. You're celebrating highs and lows and all of this other stuff. And so we thought it would be a really great way to continue what um, this bond that was created in leadership. And so we started to meet every month and, um, you know, we're together and talking about things and went through a lot. Uh, Retirements, moves, job loss. um, Loss of a parent. Loss of a parent, loss Mm -hmm of your mind, not your mind, but everyone's mind. <laughs> no. And I remember when I moved here, like we started to Google Hangout, which we've not been great at, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to do, we need to get back and do. Um, we started to Google Hangout and, and all this stuff was changing in our lives and just the, the five of us really tried to reconnect and, and do that. So that's how Ellen and I, um, those are Chantel and Ellen or Ellen and Chantel origin story, which is really kind of exciting, but then just always drawn to people who I, what was so great was so great about that group is, um, we really wanted it to be, um, to consist of individuals that thought very differently from one another. Um, and all of us are different. Um, in a lot of respects, we have different thought processes and, um, I knew, especially Ellen that I, I can ask Ellen anything and be like, what do you think about this? And she would be like, well, that is crap. Or like, that's amazing. You should do that. Uh, And really when I was starting the agency, that was a huge like kind of support and proponent. But um, Ellen and I've talked a lot over the years about building teams. What is kind of work culture, how to get through some of the hard stuff. Does this make sense? Is this authentic? Is it, you know, genuine? Am I really doing what I need to do? You know, stay on course and all of that. And so she's kind of my guru in a lot of respects. But what is so interesting about this particular topic and culture, and we're going to talk specifically about family first. Mm -hmm. And that is the number, that's the first kind of line in our core values is family first, what that means to us. And I, I think a lot of listeners know what that means to us, what we mean. But when you and I were talking the other day about family first, and I hope I've not completely gone off track here, but uh, we were talking about how that doesn't always work for everyone. And 
how do we not necessarily make it work for everyone, but make it open to everyone so that everyone feels included, everyone that works within an organization that is family focused, and what can we learn from like real families and real cultures and customs that have very strong family values that we can apply in our work cultures without it being like, if you're not related to me, you can't work here. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I think, you know, family first um, is something that is challenging for some organizations to to carry out because when you're going through, you know, when I went through my master's program in business management, one of the first things they teach you is that when you work for a company, your number one goal is to get them profitable. You know, that that's it at the margin. So to... To say that you're family first, but you're also trying to to make profit, at some point in time, you're going to have to check some of those values because it might be inconvenienced um, along the way. If, if you really say family first, that means that there's going to be some decisions that are made that are going to be difficult for you as an organization, as a company. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, individuals taking maternity leave. Mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're being there for the family, or um, maybe you have a parent who's ill, and you really want to encourage and support that staff so that they can, you know, take time to, to help prepare that next phase of their life. And so anytime it takes somebody away from the organization, um, that's dipping into potential profit margins, if you're a for-profit company. Um, but even if you're not, which we are, let's just put that out there. And I am not. <laughs> And, and, and we are not with our organization. It, it's not for profit. You know, right. we, you know, that, you know, the company as a whole serves a, a greater purpose for making a social impact as it relates to, you know, bettering the youth. The, the company itself is for profit, but the work that we do is not. So whether you're for profit or not for profit, it still is um, a challenge because it gets into um, workload and projects mm-hmm. not being completed, et cetera, or pulling in other people, and it might be a bigger cost to the company. So, you know, it ebbs and flows with the decisions that a company makes. But here's what I can say from personal experience when my supervisor or my manager or my director had worked with me on a schedule at a season of my life when I, when I had young children. I'll tell you that it created something deep inside of me that wanted to commit even more to that organization and more to that company. So I would work really long hours at night. I would do whatever I could do to give back to this company who truly meant what they said when they believed in family first. So I think that, you know, it's kind of hard to be prescriptive in terms of how everybody will react to it. But when you're an organization or a company, whether you're for profit or not, who supports your staff in a way that gives them what they need to put their family first, I believe more often than not, these individuals are going to pour back into the company. And I'm saying that with this, like, um, (laughs) it it almost kind of sounds like, well, let them have an opportunity to put their family first because you're going to get more from them. Right. I'm, no. not trying to, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying from my personal experience, I know that I want to work with people who allow me to, you know, keep my family priorities very high. Well, and it builds trust. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we want, not just for the people that we work with, but in our families, just kind of in life, just people that we care about. 
um, it does build trust. I think it's hard. Um, you and I were talking the other day, I was sharing that I have a friend who is from Australia and uh, we were talking about families, family, you know, our kids and, and things like that. And they have kids that are a couple of kids that are very, very involved in sports. And they seemingly get more um, because their family invests a lot of money in this like travel, you know, sporting associations and stuff. And then their other kids are maybe not, they don't require as much at this point or they have different needs that, it, and so it creates this environment that is seemingly unfair, if you will. And we were just talking through that. And what she said to me was so profound. She said, um, I told my kids that if what you're looking for is for us to be fair, the only way for us to be fair is for everyone to be equally miserable because the only way to provide fairness is to provide nothing. If you, you know, if the child is willing to, uh, be open to the fact that the parents are just trying to do the, the best that they can for each child and allow each child to kind of recognize their gifts, knowing that the result and maybe the resource and the time spent uh, from the family itself looks different for each child, then that really allows them the flexibility to meet each child where they are with their gifts and their talents and to really work on them and be there for them and help them maximize their potential. That was so parallel for me, uh, you know, as someone who, works with a lot of different individuals on our team, on my team, and they all need different things. They need different time. They, you know, need different amounts of my time and energy and from each other as well. And some of them have families and some of them have, you know, have families, but they look differently. You know? Right, right. Like, for example, when I was pregnant with my very first child, I was getting maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And talk about like a, a perspective. I had a colleague who said, well, that must be nice that you can take maternity leave. What do I get? I don't mm -hmm. have children and I don't, I don't get. And so it wasn't like I was going on a vacation to a resort, you know, on maternity right. leave. But if I was being completely honest with myself, it did stop me dead in my tracks. And I thought, so is this a benefit only for people who have children? And you know, the answer is yes, this is a benefit. Mm -hmm. Maternity leave is you have to have children to get that benefit. Right. But there's got to be other ways that organizations can listen to those who choose to be, you know, not have children or not, you know, have that where, and I've seen some companies who will say, you know, this is a, this is an organization we feel passionate about. If you commit such and such many hours for community service or volunteer, we'll give you, you know, this time off from work. And so I think that there's some creative ways to um, connect with your team that have, you know, like you said, different family makeup. Different family makeup. I think people need, they sometimes they need time with their parents. Sometimes they need time with a pet, which we talked about the other day. We were kind of laughing a little bit, but um, we have a new pet policy here that is, it came about because we have a, we had, we needed a maternity policy because we had the first Francis Roy baby. And oh, congratulations. Yay! I did. I did. His name's Mark. I didn't have the baby, oh. but someone, you know, our art director had the baby. He's like amazing. He's the cutest little person. Thank you for letting know. me know you didn't have a baby. I would have been yeah, a really bad friend if I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but she, you know, and as, as her employer and um, I felt very, I mean, obviously, you know, doing lots of research, we need a maternity policy, all these things need to happen as a small business owner and entrepreneur. I mean, you know, I'm going to mess things up. This was something I did not want to mess up. I felt like, you know, we're family first. We need to mean it. 
And uh, so we developed our uh, maternity policy and then it, it started to get us thinking about, okay, well, obviously we need to wrap paternity in there and we need to wrap adoption in there and we need to wrap taking care of your, you know, what if your parents need time and they have to move in with you? And I mean, that is kind of all wrapped in there as well. And then that extended to, because we are very, we're a dog friendly um, office. And um, most people know that two, uh, two and a half years ago, we got Jack Declan when our daughter was going off to college because I could not emotionally deal with her <laughs> leaving my home. <laughs> and so I'm like, let's get a puppy. And we got him and he literally, his name's Jack. He's a Jack Russell, but he's like jacked up our life. And I mean, just in so many different ways, we can't even think about pre-Jack time. But having time to onboard him, if you will, yeah. through the bonding. He's a baby. He's like six weeks old. He's the size of a chicken McNugget. Like I can't just leave him at my home. I, mm -hmm. you know, and not everyone has the flexibility. So I, I think that there's a lot to be said for, okay, yes, we have this core value. It's family first. Can every employer do that? No, no, <laughs> no, it, it's not feasible. And it does it work for every work culture? No, but it does seem like if you have the ability, we have the ability, we want, we definitely want to do that here, but we're not going to be able to have that kind of flexibility. I think with everything with, you know, we're not going to be adding core values, adding cultural elements. I mean, maybe we will, I have no idea, but I don't know. It's so, for me, it's so hard because I feel like, you know, we're out and we're talking about work culture and what our core values are, people are like, oh, that'd be great. We definitely should do that at our office. I mean, is that feasible? I mean, not everyone can adopt these types of policies. No, they can't. But what you can always do is you can entertain them. You know, you right. can, you know, for example, for us, we have a very strict policies that relates to pets. And then, mm -hmm. yes, we're federal property. So that's probably one reason why, you know, you don't want right. a pet coming on and biting somebody. And then, you know, it, that would bode for very bad, bad things. But we um, entertained it because we have a lot of dog lovers at our campus too that mm -hmm. wanted like when the students are out or it's a holiday, can you have pet, bring your pet to work day? And you know, the quick answer is no. But what we did do is um, we connected with therapy dogs and for those who, you know, have completed the paperwork and, you know, gone through that process, we were able to allow um, therapy dogs to to come on campus and for That's our so students cool. to be able so yes maybe the quick answer to a lot of this is no it's not feasible but at least entertain options where you're creating these relationships with your employees and your staff to be able to at least you know approach say, the ideas yeah say this is what I need or this is what would be ideal for me is there some way that can be offered here is it, it's a very difficult position for the for the asker and for the person who ultimately is making that decision. Because if someone comes to you and says this is very important for my quality of life, I would ideally I wish that we could have this here. And well, and you know we're talking about um, family values. Yes. And so it, it, this has been it's a very broad topic, and yep. you know as evidenced by this now going in parlaying into animals being part of the family. So right. as long as the conversation, you know, continues about, you know, matching a company's values to your own values, then I think it's going to, you know, be an optimistic conversation. 
In terms of our young workforce, um, I, I know we need to probably take a look at time here, but in terms of those entering the workforce, not just in the Job Corps program, but in general, what would you say, how are they ranking um, who they want to potentially work for, hopefully, you know, interviewing new companies and ultimately trying to uh, secure a position for themselves? How high, and this is maybe a stupid question, but how high are these family values? Like, um, are, do they, are they asking? Are, you know, is this really high on their priority list? I think so. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they get enough credit for it because it's this back in my day when I walked to school uphill, you right. know, in the snow both ways. I, I think they don't get a lot of credit. But what I am witnessing and what I'm observing and seeing at a very large scale is that our young people want to be connected. Mm-hmm. And you can call it family, you can call it company loyalty, you can call it whatever you want. But right. more than ever, they want to make a difference. And they want to be a part of something that, you know, adds purpose and passion to their life. And so if you're a company who is, hey, the unemployment market right now is super competitive, right? That It's low. And so they're desperate for workers. And so if you're trying to attract talent and you're trying to attract people to your company, I think that you're going to be hard pressed to get that if all you're doing is looking at salaries, right? Right. I think that you need to really look at what are these added benefits, especially with the generation who who does want to be part of something bigger and be connected. Do you feel like all generations want that? They're, the younger generations are just better at asking for it. I don't know that they're better at asking for it. Um, maybe maybe yeah, they're I, more confident in asking. I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know because that's almost like a cookie cutter that we're putting, putting people into. And I think that it's just something that I haven't heard them, heard, heard them talk about more um, watching and observing what it is that fuels their fire. They're attracted to these organizations to do it. But to answer your question, I think that is something that transcends all generations is to be connected in those relationships. So yes, and maybe we coin it different things. But yeah, I think ultimately, if you're looking at your company values and families, a top one, you know, what does that mean for you all? And, and how do you attract talent to your team that mirrors those values? Agreed. I don't know, 10 years ago, um, I was a lot younger. We were both a lot younger. And <laughs> so sad. And um, I remember being like in my work, in my work environment, just kind of like the early adopter of technology. And I just felt like I was such hot shit. Like I was on top of it and everything was great. And now I'm the oldest person in my work environment and I see that cane behind you. You yeah, can't thank hide you. it from me. I'm actually, I had to change from my regular chair to my, like I, what is this? Like a ball, like a bouncy ball thing. Cause my back is so it's just jacked up, you know, like from sitting in chairs and writing and all that stuff. But so it's, and, and I'm a Gen Xer, um, which no one cares about us. No one cares about us. Like we're not interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know. We're not boomers. We're not traditionalists. We're definitely not millennials. We're not nearly as cool. Um, and so, but being in, in here where I'm the oldest and I need help with like, I don't know. I just think that we have to be very aware at every stage of our career, like just be very present in the time when you are quote unquote young. And, and, and then as you're moving up, I, I just, to me, what people are asking for in our work environments is no different than what I was asking for. I just have to remember that and remember that 
if I really truly cared, I'm not going to make the individuals that I'm responsible for have to kind of scrap and, you know, do everything that I necessarily had to do to get where I am. Like, have some respect for that. Don't be the crotchety old person and just say like, well, I had to do it, so you had to do it. You know? I don't know. I mean, I agree with you, but I maybe just devil's advocate here. I think you know, now that my oldest daughter is a senior in high school, you know, it's, it's funny because I can see how I talk to my staff and my employees different than my own children. Like I have really high expectations of my children. Right. And I'm still, you know, you know, kind of hard on them. Like, I'm not going to just give you something because you ask. You need to develop this appreciation for it by working. And so, yeah, my oldest daughter, she worked her tail off to pay for a trip because she had a dream to go to Fiji. And she made it happen. It took her a year to save on a part-time job to do it. And, you know, it was one of the greatest, if not the greatest experiences of her life. But could we have helped her financially do that? Yes. Right. you know, relating that back to what you're talking about, company culture, you know, and what we do with the younger generation, do we make them work as hard as we do? I think that there is some degree to fulfillment and satisfaction from team members for to work hard. Sure. Um, it's one of our core values. Yeah. But one of my pet peeves, I guess, and I don't even know that I would call it a pet peeve, but one thing that when I hear people use Generation X or Millennials or this and that is I really try to avoid labels. I know, because I know. we're humans. And, right. and I think that's one way to keep it real is don't put me in a box of just because I'm almost going to qualify for AARP, you know, and just because you're young and you're a new <laughs> college graduate or whatever. Like, right. I just want to get away from the labels and just get back to how we do what we're committed to, to doing. And the more right. we can do that, Chantel, I think that that kind of feeds through all this gimmicky stuff. I think so too. I mean, I somewhat agree with that. I think that's what I love about our relationship is that we don't necessarily agree all the time. I think it's a, I think it's a good idea to want that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's a beautiful thing to want that. But I, especially at the end of the day, especially with our work, because yeah. we develop campaigns based on demographics. Yeah. You know, that's true. It, it's so you have the like, data and I just have like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, being out here though, I have a privilege. It's called Aloha. It's a Aloha type. I, I am. And I'm yeah. around a team of individuals who really, really believe in what we do. And we have tough Good days, going. but we're honest with each other and they're so hardworking and yeah. Not everybody is driving all the time and things aren't always perfect, but at the end of the day, you know, I just, you're right. You, you've got the data and you've got the stuff to back it up, but. But yeah. ideally it would be, it'd be lovely, you know, if, you know, if people weren't labeled, but. Yeah. Um, it, but know, they are is what you're but saying. But they are. I mean, it's just tough. And well, I, I'll tell you this much. Maybe they are but it really helps me to not have that in my mind when I'm having conversations or meetings or we're trying to get through something. A right. challenge. Yeah. I really leave those labels at the door so people can be heard. Because if you're walking in with preconceived ideas or labels about what someone comes to the table with, you're going to limit yourself to some, some awesome problem solving. So that's my experience. Right. 
Well, I, and we, yeah. we call that thought diversity around. Ooh, that's very catchy. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <You should. laughs> we, I just gave a presentation to the Women Connect Committee about thought diversity, and it's actually a really beautiful thing, knowing that who you're bringing to the table has to be different from you. It yeah. does not matter why or how. You just need different thought processes, whether that thought process is different than yours because of age, gender, sex, national, I don't right. really care what that is. That's, that's like the danger of groupthink, right? Yes. Like everybody, and that's just, that's kind of one of the check marks on my list for having good friends is everybody has to agree with me and like me and compliment me and then yeah. we're good. I mean, that's why, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but that know is how we've been friends so long. <laughs> I know, I know. Because <laughs> I'm doing it tongue in cheek, but hey, who doesn't like everybody supporting your idea, right? I mean, I love it. It I feels love really it. good for someone to re reach across the table and go, I love that idea. That's great. But that's the danger of group think. So you do have to have these people on your team that challenge right. and go, okay, I'm hearing you, but here's where I'm concerned. Yes. So, And I think that's why our, your relationship, my, our relationship together has always been so important to me because you definitely need people that are like, that sounds like bullshit. That might be bullshit. I have never said that to you. No, but I will translate it and make it in my <laughs> voice and make it in my voice and my voice that I'm like, oh, well, Chantel, that looks pretty, but that sounds like bullshit. And <laughs> on that a little bit more. But, um, you know, and I always really, really appreciate my relationship with my husband because we're very, very different. And someone came up to me the other day after we had given the presentation on uh, thought diversity and she was like, you know, after that, I just kind of looked at this polarized relationship of my husband. He thinks totally differently than I do. And I went home and I thought, if I were married to someone exactly like me, I would not be who I am. It's like, true. you absolutely have to have that. And so just from, so I guess going back to core values and culture, family first doesn't always equate to happy family. It just means that you're willing to yeah, try, right? You're going deep there. Well, yeah, because that's the definition of what's what's happy. You know, there's a there's right. a whole nother podcast for the difference between being joyful and being happy. But yes, I think that um, you know, family keeps it real. Family keeps it real. I think that's the end, Ellen. I think our family keeps it real. Let's make T-shirts that say that. You know what I should have said when we first started? I should have said our first guest with the Francis Roy, like, hello, Francis podcast. I think I was supposed to say, um, and I'm your host, Chantal Dedeke, and I totally forgot. Uh, that's okay. It's, it's an evolution. It's a work in progress. But I should have said, our first guest is Ellen. The people would be like, what? Yeah. Ellen would be like, my best friend, Ellen May. Oh, so put the last name in there. That's good, because they'll think yes. it's Ellen DeGeneres, and then you'll have be, like, hit up with tons of viewers or what do you call yeah. them? listeners listeners let's just then, accidentally tag her do you think that that is it's probably a low that feels low no you, you won't know, do that. you know what was a, a blow to confidence is you try to google your name ellen may and it's all the ellen DeGeneres shows in the month of may <laughs> <laughs> i'm like yes i made it <laughs> Well, first of all, why am I Googling myself? That was years ago. <laughs> I don't do that anymore because, you know. I don't do it anymore because I, ignorance <laughs> is bliss. <laughs> well, so much for humility. I, I just wanted to make sure my, um, you know, I don't know, my crime record isn't on there. So that's good. That's not on there. No, anyway, I, I love you, Chantel. Thank you for um, asking me to come on this. And um, I'm interested in hearing your listeners' feedback on it because I'm sure everybody comes with some different backgrounds. 
I am interested in making sure that we recorded this correctly so that we don't have to organically and authentically do it again. So no, I'm just kidding. I, this has like been, I think a dream of both of ours to um, just like let outsiders hear what we talk about. I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe that's not very humble, but I always feel like you and I have the best conversations and I walk away feeling like totally renewed and refreshed. And I think other people will feel that way too. I want to congratulate you. You're doing an amazing job. And I know that you always talk so highly of your team. So whatever you're, you know, working on and doing, I just want to say it's working because, you know, you love your team and you're committed to trying to make it the best work culture possible. So keep, keep being a boss, babe. You're doing amazing. Or a regular boss, just a regular boss. What? Just a regular? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You, You can't be a boss, babe. I don't know, man. That's another. Let's let's talk about that another time. Is that like not thought diversity? <laughs> no, you I don't know. Congratulations on being a regular boss. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Those Congra- are the t-shirts. I'm Congra- a regular boss. Congratulations on being a regular boss. That's a t-shirt. Well, congratulations on. Um, you know what? I'm not going to let you close this because you what? know you just opened up another topic about one of my pet peeves is like um, girls rock. Like I hate. Yeah. The, that girls rock because you don't see t-shirts with boys rock. No, right? they just, it's just, so is, that kind of what you, is that kind of what you mean? Like the boss babe thing? Is that where you're going with that? Is like, I have a slight, I don't know, just like not negative feeling, just like, a, I don't know about the terms lady boss or boss babe or boss chick. It's just like, I'm kind of a regular boss doing regular stuff. I think you are outstanding. There's nothing regular about you. Thanks. And you are a babe, but I'll keep those in two completely different sentences, okay? (laughs) I love you. And I got to go return my coffee cup that I bought you that says something to the. (laughs) I love you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellen. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.